faced it. Here we are. It's uh, Kenny Chatterbull's number four. Oh, hi, Roxy. How are you doing? Yeah, really, really good. Now, you've brought a guest in for us today. I, I have. So with us today, we've got Chris Balage from Provenir. Um, Chris and I connected through Leaders for Geelong uh, for the first time about two years ago. And this is the first podcast interview we have with... Um, we're deciding to feature people from Geelong doing awesome things. So, Chris, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much, guys. It's um, an honour to be here on podcast number four and the first outsider. Yes, you are the first outsider. Now, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about Provenir? What what is Provenir? Uh, Provenir is a startup company that was built to disrupt the red meat industry. So uh, what myself and the other five founders of Provenir decided to do was to create Australia's first mobile abattoir. So very simply, instead of the animals going to the abattoir, the abattoir goes to the animals. And then there's all the um, value proposition that comes with that. So we're not stressing the animal. We're getting premium quality. We're capturing livestock in a stress-free environment. Um, and for that, we're rewarded with amazing quality meat. And to make that happen, you're, you're so committed to that process that you've actually had to change laws to make that happen. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, generally as a, as a concept, uh, I don't think I've met a person yet who thinks it's a silly idea. They go, what, what an obvious idea and what a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, the hard part is to actually do all of that within our current regulatory environment. So um, food, particularly uh, red meat, has very high food safety standards, and mm-hmm. so they should be. Yeah. Um, and that is challenged by having a mobile abattoir from there. To be able to fit an entire abattoir in the back of a truck um, is really tricky. Now, all of our food laws were drafted back in the 1970s, some back go to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So the concept of a mobile abattoir, the technology just wasn't there to be yeah. able to do that. So we're still trying to fit a really modern innovation into some really old regulations. Yeah. And as you said, in Victoria, um, we had to go and change the law to enable us to be able to do that. And we did that in October this year. I would imagine, Chris, that if you're if you're not stressing the animal, like I often when you see the trucks with all the animals in the back, the beasts in the back, and I've seen those abattoirs, it's just horrible, and I hate thinking about what that means for the animal. You'd have to think if you're not stressing the animal, the meat's going to taste better. Absolutely true, Roxy. Um, to the first, uh, to the last point about the food quality and and the quality of the meat, uh, we were got our license in June, and we entered the Australian Food Awards um, in the category of, of um, beef. Uh, only six weeks after starting, and we won it. So wow. So we're, we're really convinced that inherently the process produces better quality meat. And as a farmer myself of cattle, um, I'm really driven about the, the welfare aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, I make the choice to eat meat and, mm-hmm. and, and I do so proudly. But that doesn't mean that I'm not really conscious about the welfare of the animal and the way that that animal is, is treated in the farming yeah. techniques. And if we can remove a stress step, why not? It's, it seems like a no-brainer to me. That, that makes absolute sense. Um, so Provenir is about two years old. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. So what, what's the story? What brought you to, to getting Provenir started? Um, 
Well, as, as I said, there's five founders and each of them have their own journey to that point. Um, so the company was incorporated on uh, July the 24th, 2017 um, and we'd been talking the, the five founders previously before that. So for my journey to there is that um, I am, I'm a city boy um, and met a country girl. Uh, she win the, won the argument and we went out <laughs> and, and um, bought a farm out in Bannockburn, a beautiful piece of land they were very fortunate to um, have the custodian of. And, um, you know, cows to me back then were, you know, things that you saw in the paddock and were basically, you know, lawnmowers and, you know, keep the grass down. And then moving out there and, and learning to become a farmer and, and feeding them at four o'clock in the morning, you know, rain, hail or shine, you start to develop a relationship with those animals. And um, particularly cattle, uh, I believe, are, are more sentinel being than, than sheep and some other livestock that we have. They, they've been shown to have personalities, um, friendship groups, they, they co-mother um, they do all of these um, more, what we I consider more developed behavioural side of things. And so anyway, we, we had the, the farm for two years and we decided that we would do a breeding operation. So we had a bull, we had the cows and so we carved down the cows and, and we raised them for two years. And it go, gets to the point that that's the time that uh, it's to sell them into the sale yards. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, I got them back into the uh, the yards, as I'd done many times before, and they go through the race. And there's there's a gate on, on there, and one goes up the back of the cattle ram, ramp onto the back of the truck, and the other goes back into the paddock. And for two years, it had always been going back into the paddock. And then I remember clearly this one day that this was the day that I put the gate the other way. And they went up at the back into the into the back of the truck, and you know, for me it was like, you know, this is what I do. This is what farmers do. We produce meat. Mm. Um, I see myself as a food producer rather than a livestock um, owner. And the truck went off, and you know, I sort of sat there, and I get a bit teary now thinking Aww. about it. Anyway, um, you know, and, and I started to have a bit of a cry, and it's like, you know, I don't know where these my babies are going. Um, you know, the hard clinical side of me is you're a farmer, this is what you do, this is you have to make money from this operation, yes. so that's it. You know, toughen up. And then in the back of my um, mind was, well, you know, what's happening with them? Where do they go? I, I don't like this. So I sort of thought about, you know, giving it away and becoming a, a vegetarian. That probably lasted about 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> I'm, I am hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm very clearly a carnivore. Um, but from that point forward, I, I, I made a vow to myself that I would do the farming the best way possible. And, and the fact that I do um, process the animals, that we do slaughter the animals, um, doesn't mean that we don't care for the animals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, the, I guess, the dichotomy that all omnivores have to come to terms with, mm. um, that we can look after animals and consume them. Yeah. So that was my journey and I started a small company called Sage Farm that we started to do paddock to plate with. Um, so I didn't sell it into the sale yards anymore. I went and bought my own cattle truck because I have to take it to a registered abattoir to, to process them to sell it commercially. And so you know, got myself a truck licence and a truck and I started transporting it myself. And even then I could see the stress that was on the animals. Yeah. And mm. as a farmer... 
and all farmers are fortunate enough to have a clause in the law that allows them to consume their own meat legally. So I had before had um, butchers come onto the farm and do the processing and I knew the amazing quality of the meat mm. yes. and I could never capture it commercially. Yeah. So that for me was, you know, the holy grail is to be able to do it on the farm. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's where I came to from. Isn't, it, isn't that just extraordinary? It, it seems like such an obvious solution. Yes. But, it, you know, it, it's like you've found this amazingly disruptive thing to do, but it just makes so much sense and it's what we used to do back in the day. And, of course, it's going to be better for the animal. And it, you know, yeah. that just makes so much sense. It's, it's the regulations that they've written which has really put us down this pathway and, and I can talk a lot about industrial food and, and big business. Fall asleep. And you would. <laughs> um, you would. And the, I guess the thing, anything that's a really truly disruptive idea is a no-brainer. That's mm. almost by definition. Mm. And true disruption, in my view, comes to when you change the supply chain of either that service or product. That's where real disruption occurs. Mm. So, you know, putting new packaging or, or, or rebranding something, you know, people like to say it's disruptive because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's innovation, real. it's yeah. change, but yeah. it doesn't really disrupt anything. So what we're doing is inherently disrupting the supply chain of livestock production. Now, it's particularly disruptive because the industries that we're disrupting are actually quite faceless. You know, I could ask people who are the largest beef producers in Australia and most of them wouldn't know. No. I certainly wouldn't. That's, no. Yeah. And, and it's an incredibly concentrated industry as well. So two operators control over 40% of the red beef, uh, the red meat industry in Australia. Amazing. Yep. It's isn't incredible, it? Yeah. isn't it? And when you control that much, they mustn't like you very much. Honestly, I think... Well, I know that they know of us and, and that's fine, but honestly, our scale is so micro. Mm. They're, um, probably... they're like... You do whatever you like. Mosquito. You're a mosquito. <laughs> you're not. Uh, that was the, probably the next question: is where are proveniering in disrupting the industry? Look, we're we're fledgling. Um, we started in 2017. It took us over two years to to raise the money to build the actual unit, to get the licence. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only been operational since the 20th of June. Yes. And, you know, we're, we're into that sort of really painful growing phase yeah. um, where, you know, we, we need to grow, we need to grow quickly. Um, and we're hitting, you know, all the hurdles that you do with staffing and, you know, truck breakdowns I was talking to you about yes, before, yeah. all of those type of things as you start to build redundancy into the business. Um, and you know, we're, we're going to be going back to raise more capital mm-hmm. soon. Um, that'll be in the next couple of weeks to, to get further injection of funds to grow. Our vision for the future um, is we want to see multiple units going around. Right now we have to prove the commercial viability of the business yeah. and the business model. Yes. So we know that the, the quality's there. Um, we know that the customers want it as well. So, you know, we're, we're in with Rockpool um, in their two restaurants, wow. Florentino's, yeah. Stefano's, you know, all the top restaurants. So, that, yeah, there's definitely an, a, a want for it or an embracement of it by those in the, like those in the restaurant industry, of course. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so the sort of doyens of the um, food service, the, the sort of top-notch um, chefs, they totally get about you know where the animal comes from, the the provenance of it, and the quality from there. So they are really quick to jump on board. Um, we've got our tribe of retail consumers who who are very loyal, but we need to grow that now. So we yes. need to get um, more more people seeking out provenir, asking mm. their their you know, shopkeepers, you know, why isn't it on the shelf? I want yeah. it, that type of stuff, and start to create the positive um, commercial uh, um, retail demand for it. Mm, wow. And you've, you've got a few retailers around Geelong? Yes. Um, so if you go to Elma Restaurant, yeah. uh, Jesse Hughes, fantastic restaurant there. So we've been Award on... Award-winning Jesse Hughes. Yeah, I know. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> uh, great guy, really great guy. Um, Graham at Tulip Restaurant as well. Um, they've got it on the menu. We're at Peaches down in Torquay. Um, we're in IGA in Point Lonsdale, also down at Anglesey as well. Um, a couple up in Melbourne, Wilson's in Ballarat. So we're, we're spreading our, it's spreading spreading our wings. Yeah, and some great traction for and such a short period of time. You can actually buy it online. So you can yeah. log on, get on Provenir and you can buy meat packs. Yep, so we'll deliver it to your door. So, um, you know, one week turnaround, it comes in a... Um, cooler box that you, know, you don't have to be home we can just pop it on the on the doorstep and it's all there ready for you to get home there's a whole selection of different cuts so mince sausages hamburgers all those different awesome. cuts what more could so, you ask for exactly uh, no awesome <laughs> and the really cool part about it as well particularly with the retail is we have a little qr code in that now qr codes traditionally have been pretty low uptake because mm-hmm. it always takes you to a static website and, you know, from my point of view, well, I can just type that in or ask yeah, Siri to go to the website. Check, yeah. Why would I bother? Um, what we've done with our QR code is we take it a step further. So every time you order or, or you buy some provenir meat, the QR code will um, go straight onto your phone. So you just open the ca- uh, camera app and mm-hmm. it'll take you straight through to the website and it doesn't just tell about provenir it tells what the cut is um so and gives you some cooking tips on how to do it so if you're getting something different like a flat yeah. iron steak i've never cooked one of those yeah. what do i do so we've got some cooking tips on there it tells you exactly which farm it comes from as well wow so we we deal with uh 12 regenerative farmers so these are guys who who do holistic um, land management, they're, they're really at the cutting edge of farming technology with regards to working in the natural cycles, mm. which is where we need to That's go awesome. to. Um, and it tells the whole farming history of that, that farm, their land management, what breeds they use, why they do it, you know, what their pet dog is. So you really get that connection oh, that is so and that changes cool. every time. Yeah. So when you go there, so it might be, you know, a limousine from Bill and Joy's place um, this week. Next week will be an Angus from Nick's place, you know, all of those type of that things. That is so, so cool. Yeah. That and, is really and cool. people are becoming really aware absolutely. of where their food yeah, comes 100%. from. And so they should. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. is fantastic. Now, what's interesting here, you mentioned that um, through love you ended up becoming a farmer, mm. but you weren't always a farmer. In fact, you were quite the opposite of a farmer. Yeah, so um, my, my academic background uh, is I went to Melbourne Uni and I did um, science, uh, so chemistry and zoology, which 
is like oh. oil and water. They don't go together <laughs> at all. Um, so I did that, um, then sort of bummed around for a while uh, overseas with a backpack on, you know, doing the standard gap year. Yep. Um, then came back and got really interested in sort of um, aquatic side of things, so aquaculture. So I went and did honours up in Townsville. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back to um, Victoria to try and get a job down there, which um, kind of ironically, PrimeSafe had just been created at that stage and totally killed the um, aquaculture industry in Victoria, <laughs> which is uh, now full circle. We're, going, we're working with PrimeSafe again. Um, but, um, yeah, from there I sort of stumbled into um, a job with a biopharmaceutical company called CSL, and um, worked there for 20 years. Uh, I was only ever going to be there for six months and then another six months. And so 20 <laughs> as, years... As life goes. Yeah. Exactly, as life goes. And so really spent sort of 20 years in a very um, academic, science-based industry. Um, so a lot of, you know, the... Uh, what is it? Left side of the brain yeah. um, type of um, employment. And so ran quality control laboratories, so I know a lot about science and the testing of, of um, products, in particular blood products, which um, there seems to be a theme of, of sort of blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't want to say that, but so, uh, yes. Um, which now, um, I, I left that a couple of years ago to pursue um, the next phase of my career, which is in agriculture, um, but there's always, for me, been the... Um, interest in technology and adaption and and changing things. Um, I guess for me what's always driven me, which I could never do in the biopharmaceutical industry, was, you know, look back on my life and see that I've actually um, created change, Mm -hmm. created something that I can look back at and said, you know, my efforts have contributed to something that is fundamentally different to what there that's, was before. That's yeah. very cool, isn't it? Oh, so, I mean, isn't that what oh, we all want? But, but well, well, it's kind of annoying as well because <laughs> yeah. there's easier paths to yeah, take well, yes. than, yes, than yes, that, but are. it's just something that's, you know, in, in your soul and, and, yeah. and oh, drives no, you. I mean, Roxy, you can, I can hear the passion oh, in, every time I talk to Chris. 100%. I, you know, yeah. Now, you two met when you did Leaders for Geelong together. Now, yes. you both recently completed that. Yes. I am an uh, Graduate. Old, um, alumna, yes. yes. Well, I put old in there, but anyway. <laughs> um, and now, so, tell me about the Leaders for Geelong um, and how that has maybe influenced what you're doing now. Oh, look, I, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the program. Um one of the biggest things for me was meeting people like Chris. Um, it cre- you know, you learn a lot about Geelong. You get outside of your own bubble in terms of your industry. Um, so me as a lawyer, I would have never probably crossed paths with Chris. Um, but we created a really... We've got a really great group, created a really good network. Um, and for me, it was... Uh, you know, I can, I'm hearing you talk about the sort of struggles of the last couple of years um, and I'm reliving them because we, you know, through the program, we were catching up every couple of weeks mm. um, and so really hearing about the, that progress um, was amazing. So, uh, but I'm sure what I've taken away might be quite different to what Chris has given. We were at sort of different stages in careers and different mm. roles. Um, mm. Chris, you know, completely different, I assume. Yeah, so through... CSL, they, they put a lot of um, effort into educating their staff and, and um, 
So I'd done quite a few sort of leadership programs before. They were really very structured from there. So there were set goals that you were to achieve to, and, and to graduate, you had to do that. Same with the MBA that I did. It's, it's very structured. When I did the Leaders for Geelong, um, I was really surprised by the lack of structure. And then I thought, man, what, what is this? It's, it's a leadership program and, you know, what, choose your own adventure. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, there's um, a maturity that's required to get the maximum out of it. So it's not spoon-fed to you. Mm-hmm. It provides you the opportunity for you to take. And if you don't take it, then you need to reflect whether you're a leader or not. And I think that was a lot Mm. for me. And touching on the point that Stefan was saying before, the last um, couple of years have been extraordinarily difficult for me. I've lost, you know, two family members um, through um, cancer in the last couple of years. And so for me to be in the program uh, at that time was great because there there wasn't the, um, the badges worn, yeah. if that makes sense, in the program. Mm-hmm. So after a while, we had this shared experience that it didn't matter if you know I was CEO or whether I was the janitor, which I can tell you I'm both at, at, <laughs> at Provenir. Um, and it didn't matter that you were the director of legal of, of, of the Kenny Group. It was the fact that I knew you as Stefan and Stefan knew me as Chris and yeah. all of that got stripped away. Mm. And that's really where, for me, I took away that it was this real shared journey and um, allowed me for the sort of first time to show some vulnerability. Yeah, wow. Which is, which is a leadership trait that I don't think I had previously, but, but and I think now that's, I can. I think that's a leadership trait that isn't... Um, isn't Valued as highly as, or as, and, and considered as important as it actually is. Yes. And particularly in today's leadership, like you talk about the program, I think the thing is it's about Geelong in many respects mm. too. That would have connected you both more into our region. Absolutely. I think one of the great benefits is it's so region focused. So it's not just leadership generally, but a lot of it is about. The first year was really about learning about Geelong, mm. uh, you know, and the different industries and what makes it tick in the background and the history and the present and the future of Geelong. Um, but it's it, it, it's also, yeah, it was so much of it was about the town and what we can contribute back to it as leaders. So it wasn't just this is what's going to make you you know, great or get you this promotion within your current role, at your, you know, and we all just go back to our businesses and it's business as usual. It was what can you as, you know, people of, of you know, varying levels of influence, but influence in Geelong, what can you, what can you give back to the community? Mm. And by developing us as a group as leaders gives us the ability to, to, to have an understanding and go back and, and, you know, and make a real contribution. I think that, mm. that really came through. Yeah, and I think having seen behind the scenes of Geelong, like I've lived in Geelong for 20 years, and in that first year I learned more about Geelong than I had in the last 
20 yeah. years. Yeah. Not only the history, but the future of Geelong. And that was the really exciting thing. Is like Geelong is absolutely on the cusp of just going gangbusters. And we can already see it now. Yeah. You see yeah, the yeah, amount sure. of construction. Like, that's just yeah. a very physical, tangible yeah. aspect of it. There's, you know, buildings going up all over the place. Um, for me personally, through Provenir, I got connected into um, a lot of the... Um, employment sector as well. So Geelong historically has had some really high unemployment. Mm. So as a company, we've now adopted an inclusive workplace um, mm. practice and we source all of our um, employment because we're, we're quite a manual-based um, employer uh, through Matchworks and through mm. GenU. So, you know, we've got a commitment of helping the um local community through employment by taking people who have been long-term unemployed or and people getting with maybe a disability, disability so you're really encouraging diversity that's yeah. just brilliant yeah and and it's really valuable for our um company as well is to have that diversity and to have that you know people turning up to work like it was just the other day we we, we got um, a young guy in for the first day and I walked into the butchery and uh, he comes up to me and says oh hi I'm Lyle and I said oh hi I'm, I'm Chris I'm, I'm the CEO he goes it's so good to be working Oh, and, wow. and so, Isn't that awesome? Yeah, and so that, that means a lot to me. I was like, well, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a lot of it. But, you know, th- that you can actually do that. And I think that's that's come through the leaders of Geelong, mm. is that connection. Yes. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? Now, the future. Where's Proveny heading? What's what's the future look like? Oh, you know, do I look at <laughs> look at the, at the at the next week? You know, the week before Christmas. What well, that, that's going to be? The next six months, the next five years. So, like, right, the, the, the here and now, the really short horizon is we're just um, busting our backsides to you know, Christmas is the the busiest time for any um, meat industry. So we're doing crazy crazy hours. I think I'm sort of running on about four hours sleep at the moment. Um, you know, a little bit more um, longer than that, we'll get our licence in Victoria. So that's a really big feather in our cap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got supported government with that. We're, we're working with the regulators. So that's something when we can really say that we have truly changed the laws in Victoria, which is um, no mean feat. Um, down the path, we want, we've want got to get this first unit up, show the commercial viability of it, sort of put the fundamentals of the business together, um, and then we're going to build more units, and then we're going to have more hubs. We want to expand into New South Wales, Queensland. Um, as, as my um, chair lady says, you know, baby steps, baby steps. Let's, <laughs> before we start, you know, wanting to sprint, let's just see that we can crawl first. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a bit of who I am. I'm always sort of thinking where we're going to be Oh, you've there. got to have the vision. Well, I've yeah. got the vision. I've just yeah. got to drag everybody along. <laughs> come on, come on, let's go. Um, but, yeah, look, look, we're definitely getting there. So um, we'll raise some more funds. We'll, we'll keep, the, keep the show going. And, um, yeah, we, we do want to be not just... Uh, uh, boutique novelty, but you know, more units means that we truly start to disrupt the industry. We start to provide some true alternatives um, for farmers to, to choose a high welfare option, mm-hmm. um, and we get rewarded with amazing quality meat. For it. So it's a it's and a win win. As a consumer, I would choose a high quality option because I would choose for my animals to not be um, as you know to have a better life yeah. and a better death. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just yeah. fantastic. Look, um, wonderful chatting to you, Chris. It's Isn't it incredible, Steph, when we think about our region and we think about these amazing people who are just doing incredible stuff. I, I was just thinking, I don't know if we can top our first great people. Oh, easy. There's, 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 <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you half a lead. It's put you along. They can all, all do that. Um, easy. Chris, if, if people want to um, connect with Provenir or they mm. want to learn more about it or they want to do one or two things to support it, what, mm. what can they do? Look, um, first thing that I would recommend is jump onto the website, okay? We're, we're all about transparency, mm-hmm. about where it comes from. Our website is amazing. Um, one of our founders, um, Jane, has put that together. There is so much information in there. Um, you know, we are disrupting the, the industry, so we recommend people to have a bit of a read, understand mm-hmm. what our value proposition is, how mm-hmm. we're different. Um, we're pretty confident from there. They're going to say, I want to try it. So um, if in the Geelong region, when you're down at Torquay, drop into Peaches, grab some product there. If you're not down that way, jump online, um, order a box. Um, you're going to get enough. Depending, There's, I think, three different boxes that mm-hmm. we supply yeah. uh, for couples, small family, big family from there. So you know, order that, try it, you'll get and, and do the QR code. Don't yes. don't yes. don't ignore the yes. QR code. It's yes. really cool. I want to know where my steak has come from. Exactly. That's what I want to yeah. know. Because you can ask a butcher where does it come from and I, I can honestly tell you the supply chain doesn't have the traceability there. And yeah. and what we've done with this QR code is so far in front of where the industry is at the moment, um, it's almost difficult to get people to believe that it is actually yeah. possible because they all say, oh, I know where it comes. It comes from, you know, this farm or that farm. Um, the, the supply chain isn't that transparent, I can tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Chris, thank you so much for sharing the story of Provenir. Um, Provenir.com.au? Correct. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, get on it, I say. Get that meat. And, uh, absolutely. And enjoy it and get your QR code happening. Chris Balage, thank you for sharing it. And Steph, thank you, like number four of our podcast. Done and dusted. And can't wait for number five. More more and more coming in 2020. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been great. Thank you.